I'm Chelsea. I'm Deidre. And we're giving you a million murders. It's a special Christmas bonus for you. Or happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. Yes, hello. So, we're throwing a bonus, Christmas bonus episode your way. Yes. I'm going to go first. I'm going to tell a few stories and then Deidre's going to pick up after me. So, let's get started. Yes. So, I'm reading an article that I had found online. And it's titled, Three Gruesome Christmas Family Murders. Oh. So, twilight lights, presents wrapped up with bows, spending time with family, and murder. Mm. For some, the holidays are not the most wonderful time of the year. Here we'll look at several famous Christmas time murders and the psychology behind the killers to find out why such a merry time of year for some... Can bring out deadly rage in others. Mm. So the first one. The Covina Massacre. Or Covina. Mm -hmm. Covina, a Los Angeles suburb, was a grisly scene on Christmas Eve 2008. Hmm. The killer, Bruce Jeffrey Pardo, showed up at a holiday party wearing a festive Santa Santa Claus (laughs) Santa Claus costume. The problem was, he was not invited. And he was out for blood. Oh my, I think maybe, I don't know. Keep going. Pardo opened fire on his ex-wife, Sylvia Ortego Pardo. Sorry if I'm saying their names wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and approximately 25 of her guests, including an eight-year-old girl who answered the door. Yes, yes. Before unwrapping the gift, he had brought a homemade flamethrower. Yes. Yep, yep. Because the winter holidays have a strong promotion of being family holidays, murder during these times is often associated with the killer having recently lost a loved one, having anger toward a rejecting former lover or spouse, or being resentful of a family that appears to have it all, explains Dr. Renee Carr, a clinical psychologist. Pardo's divorce had just been finalized the week before, and police speculated this was the trigger that led to his massacre of nine people, including Sylvia and her parents. Though Pardo carried a plane ticket that pointed to a getaway plane, he took his own life shortly after the attack, but not before starting a fire that consumed the house. Mm-hmm. The blaze ignited by racing fuel and fed by the festive light in two fireplaces took 80 firefighters nearly two hours to extinguish. Many of the victims had to be identified through dental records. Gosh. Carr says often the psychopathology behind holiday rage and murder is a lack of empathy for the lives of other humans or living things. This is most likely born from a childhood of the murderer, if they are severely neglected or abused psychologically, emotionally, and or sexually, says Carr. As an adult, the person 
will unconsciously transfer these feelings and thoughts into rage that ultimately can lead to aggression and possibly murder. Mm-hmm. So that's the first story. You have to go to therapy. 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 Therapy's good. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so scary. I, I, wonder what, I wonder what the background was to his, like, if anyone looked into him to see what was going on, but... I do remember that story. And yeah, the little girl opened the door and was like excited. Sad. Oh, yeah. So story number two, it's titled The Dallas Christmas Killings. Aziz Yazdampana. Okay. Yes. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who donned the festive red and white outfit in anticipation of his rampage on December 25th, 2011 entered his estranged wife's Dallas, Texas home and began shooting the family. Mm. They had just finished unwrapping presents. No. All in all, he murdered six people, including his wife and two children, before killing himself. The victims and two handguns were discovered in the kitchen and living room with presents and wrapping paper littering the floor. Mm. Aziz had been dealing with financial and marital issues which detectives believe contributed to his mindset before the murder-suicide. Like the Covina case, it's likely the suicide was a last-minute decision when the killer found himself overwhelmed. The crime scene showed attempts by Aziz to frame his brother-in-law by placing one of the guns in his hand. Wow. According to Carr, people who commit violence acts during the holidays are often consumed by feelings of rejection, usually by a love interest or former love or even just someone they've been flirtatious with. Typically, they targeted their victims specifically, and their violence is a direct expression of their frustration, anger, hate, or rage toward that person, says Carr. These attacks are often fixated on the fantasy of holidays synonymous with love family and fun and they believe their intended victim to be the reason they are suffering and deprived of an ideal holiday mm, yeah so yeah how's he gonna just try to frame his brother-in-law that's low down low down these poor i don't know these people oh i don't know it's scary don't kill anybody on christmas or ever <laughs> yeah i mean ever but but yeah oh they're just going through a lot so the third um, story is the Lawson family murders. Hmm. This sounds familiar, but I don't know. On Christmas Day in 1929, oh. tobacco farmer Charlie Lawson killed his wife and all but one of his seven children at his Germanton, North Carolina home. Hmm. Just days after getting the family together for an expensive family portrait, and shortly after, he and his eldest son, Arthur, went hunting. Oh, I know this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Lawson hid by the barn and ambushed two of his daughters. Shoot. Trigger warning. I'm just going to say trigger warning on this. Okay. Lawson hid by the barn and ambushed two of his daughters, shooting and then bludgeoning them. Mm. Walking back toward the house, he killed his wife on the porch and then hunted down his oldest daughter and two youngest sons who were hiding inside. Then he went into the woods where he killed himself. 
The sole survivor of the massacre was Arthur, 16, who had gone into town for some extra ammunition after their morning hunt. Although we still don't know why Lawson killed his family, Carr says murders in general are more likely to be are more likely to be committed by someone in the victim's family than by a stranger. Mm. People who murder their family or a family member during the holidays are likely to have repressed anger, harbored hostility, jealousy, or frustration with that family member or what they represent, says Carr. Because holidays are expected to be happy times and family-filled, Unhappy family members may experience a psychological break where they can no longer repress their uncomfortable thoughts or feelings of rage. Murders of this type are often reactive and unplanned. Mm. So, that's it. Yeah. That's crazy. That was a crazy one. Yeah, I forgot about that. Cause I, I did feel too. Like, isn't this the one where um, everybody shows up at the house and they're like walking through and that cake was still on the table. I think so. And somebody like auctioned the cake off yeah, or something I, like that. I keep getting that one and the one that I covered last year mixed up. The White House murders. Right. Yeah, because it sounds like the White House murders mm-hmm. too. So, I don't know. Somebody, somebody will know and they'll be like, no, that was actually the do-do-do that I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah. So. <laughs> you go ahead you go ahead so that was all of that article on that um i have a few on so these are just like little paragraphs it just kind of like gets to the point pretty much in like four sentences okay so the first one on this one is titled the ashland massacre ashland kentucky 1881 okay. on the night before christmas eve fanny gibson fanny gibbons her brother Robert and their next-door neighbor Emma Thomas were brutally murdered in the Gibbons' home. The house was then set aflame. A bricklayer named George Ellis confessed to the crime, naming his co-workers William Neal and Ellis Craft as accomplices. Mm. Neal and Craft were convicted and sentenced to death by hanging. Ellis was convicted and given a life term, but a vigilant mob abducted him from his jail from his jail cell on the day of his conviction and lynched him. Mm. So, I think Houston, yeah, Houston and Kaylin covered that on um, Crime or Reason. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, if you want to hear more about that, go to Crime or Reason. Crime or Reason. Yes. And they do like a full detailed thing. But yeah, it is a very, it was a very long drawn out case too, which I think is why he yeah. probably got lynched like mm-hmm. that because they were just tired of waiting so yeah. mm-hmm. so the next one is the stagger lee murder st louis missouri night 1895 dang these are old yeah these are old so the 1895 murder of bill Lyons by lee shelton was the inspiration behind the popular song stagger lee So that was Stagger Lee. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm down with it. Down with it. Down with it. Ooh, ooh. Stagger Lee. Hey. Um, Stagger Lee. 
On Christmas night, Shelton and Lyons were both drinking heavily inside a saloon where they got into a heated argument. Words escalated into violence with Lyons eventually grabbing Shelton's hat off of his head. Shelton shot Lyons dead, retrieved his hat, and left. He was tried and convicted of Lyons' murder in 1897. This next story, Bloodshed on Christmas Eve, Magnum, Texas, 1885. Mm. Jack Doyle, Don Sullivan, and Buck Hannon traded stories of their sexual prowess on Christmas Eve. Their bragging got personal when Sullivan made insulting remarks about Doyle's wife. Lord, a fight, <laughs> a fight ensued and the two drew their revolvers. Doyle shot Sullivan dead. Hannon then followed Doyle back to his hotel, where he shot and killed him to avenge Sullivan. Realizing his predicament, Hannon escaped the Texas town on horseback. Gotta go. Gone. Wow. All right, I'm head out. (laughs) Jeez. That's what he did. So I'm going to say, or I'm going to read one more, and then we'll get to Deidre's story. Okay. So the last one. The Murder of Margaret Bell, Brooklyn, New York, 1901. Mm. John Bell and his wife Margaret were married 15 years when Margaret found out she was pregnant. John didn't believe the baby was his, though there wasn't any evidence that Margaret was cheating on him. In the weeks leading up to the holidays, John grew cold and brooding. On Christmas Day, he confronted Margaret with a gun, intending to kill her, then himself, In the ensuing struggle, John fired a shot that struck Margaret in the left eye. Oh. And she died from the injury, paralyzed with guilt. John left his home to confess his crime to the police. So he was like, "Mm, shouldn't have done that. Like, he felt guilty. Which he should. Gosh. That makes me wonder if he's like a descendant of John Bell from the Bell Witch Cave. Bell Witch. I'm like, is this like the curse? The curse of John. The curse. I don't know. The curse of Bellwitch Camera. I can't. <laughs> so those are my st- 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 stories. Those were good games. So game. now it's Deidre's turn. I really liked those. Those were really good. Shanks. I also liked the psychological background we had oh, from, yeah. from Dr. Carr. Dr. Come Carr. Come on, Dr. Carr. Psychologist. Clinical psychologist. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Okay. So mine are going to be more um detailed no (laughs) mine are just going to be more of um first-hand accounts Mm -hmm. from the reddit you know we love a reddit uh reddit episode of stories so that's where mine are coming from so these are going to be things that happen to people on christmas and they posted it on reddit so this first story comes from reddit user jaylee and it's from 10 years ago Mm. Okay, so it was Christmas Eve, and I was a freshman in high school. My family had been split up for some time, so normally we trade off Christmas Day and Christmas Eve every year. And this year, I had come home early from my grandparents' Christmas party, while everyone else was at my aunt and uncle's celebrating at another party. So this is somebody who's got, like, that whole family, the big family, where everybody goes here, everybody goes there for stuff, so... That's what's going on there. When I was dropped off, my cousins offered to stay with me for a few hours, yet I declined. I thought I could watch some of my new DVDs and get some alone time in my house, which is a rarity. So she was like, no, y'all go home because I'm trying to be by myself. 
I had noticed an unfamiliar car parked on the street, but didn't think anything of it, considering it was Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. Probably a neighbor's relative or something. After I got inside, I locked the door, grabbed snacks, and started to settle down. I hadn't been home for more than 15 minutes when there was a knock at the door. I unlocked the door and opened it, only a crack, to see a man standing there. Dark hair, glasses, slightly overweight, and dressed casually. He didn't look like much of a threat, but my stomach dropped. He asked, I was wondering about the car outside. Is it for sale? I told him, I don't think so. Is there someone here I can talk to about it? I said, and quite stupidly, I might add, no, you can come back another time and shut the door and turn the lock as as fast as I possibly could. He reached for the handle immediately and started pounding on the door. (sighs) I heard a string of profanities and the pounding stopped. Terrified, I was crawling on the floor to the phone. To the phone. Terrified, I was crawling on the floor to the phone, hoping he wouldn't be able to see me through one of the windows. Then I heard the noises. Our house had an open garage door, and it led through to the laundry room, where the door lock was broken, and no one had bothered to fix it. No. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. Oh, God. Just then... Like, I read these, but it's been so long ago that I'm like, oh, gosh. Okay, just then I heard a man yell, and I saw the man through the window run to his car and drive off. My uncle had gotten him just in time and scared the man off. Who knows what would have happened if he hadn't made it home in time. Sadly, we didn't get the plate number, and nothing ever came of it. I'll never be home alone on a holiday again. I wouldn't be home. Period. (laughs) Period. I'd have to move. I'm telling you. Okay, so story number two comes from Reddit user Two Cents Nuisance. Okay, and it was posted about a year ago. Mm, fresh. Fresh, a freshy. Oh, okay, it was posted a year ago. <laughs> then it says this happened in 2005. I was like, oh, <laughs> just kidding. Posted a year ago, happened in 2005. So, this was during their Christmas vacation. I moved away from college and came back home to visit for the holidays. Spent a week in my hometown in a snowy state. On my last night there, my friend and I decided to go sledding at 3 a.m. This sounds like fun. Mm. We got in her car and both went down a few times. We're both at the top of the hill. On my last night there, my friend and I decided to go sledding at 3 a.m. We got in her car and both went down a few times. We're both at the top of the hill. She gets ready to go again, but I stop her. She asked what's wrong, and I told her that I had a bad feeling. The hair on the back of my neck was standing up, and I felt nervous. Mm. I told her we needed to leave now. We drove back to my family home. We lived in a town where no one locked their doors. Of course you did. Everybody needs to be locking their doors. Mm -hmm. The crime was almost nothing, and all the neighbors knew each other. So, like, no crime at all in this small town. When we got back, something told me to lock all the doors. Then I checked the windows, and several were unlocked. My flight was only four hours away to go back to campus. I slept for maybe two. I wanted to see the snow and smell the fresh air, so I stepped outside. I looked at a huge pine tree we had in the front side of our yard. I always thought the way snow laid on the branches looked so beautiful, and something caught my eye. Which, that's true. Yeah. Snow on a pine tree is... Beautiful. Mm -hmm. But anyway, something caught his eye or caught their eye. Uh, What should have been pure, fresh snow was littered with huge man-sized footprints. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. They were wrapped around the tree and went towards the backyard. 
I was thinking maybe my uncle had been out there smoking or something, just thinking of anything to rationalize why those footprints were there. The same feeling came back to me when we were sledding. The anxious and paranoid feeling in the pit of my stomach, I look to my left and I see a man. He is running. He is sprinting, staring straight at me. Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh, he was close to probably close to 300 pounds and maybe six feet. And for his size, he was super fast. I froze in fear with the realization he's not just doing a morning jog and he's coming to me. I tried to move several times, but I was almost too scared. With everything in me, I opened my front door, slammed it shut, and locked it. I ran to the window and look onto my porch and see the man standing there. He had his hand on my door, he turns his head, and I follow his gaze to a man in a white van. Mm-mm. The guy, honey, about to get taken, okay? Oh, The guy in the van throws up his hands in a gesture to say, well, like... The runner just threw up his hands and shook his head. The runner walks to the van, gets in, and they drive away. My heart's still pounding. I wake up my friend and make her walk around the house with me. There we find footprints that went to every door and window around my house. She too tried to rationalize it. But to me, I know if he had reached me, I wouldn't be writing this post. The malicious look on his face as he ran to me told me everything. That's crazy. About to get all the way kidnapped. But I wouldn't even have went outside after that to, like, investigate. Mm-mm. Well, she was wanting to just, oh, yeah, no, no. No. you talking about after. After all that happened, oh. she'd walk her friend up to go outside. I said, mm-hmm. No, I'd have been like, no, we laying right here and we calling the cops. Period. Okay, because I don't know. We don't play that. Ain't nobody got time for that. No. Okay, so this third story is from Reddit user Gwinnaloo. Gwinnaloo. Gwinnaloo or Gwinnaloo. Gwinnaloo. And it was posted a year ago. This happened in 2019. I was in my second year of college and living in a townhome about a 10 minute walk from campus. I lived with two other girls at the time, but they were all black. Mm. <laughs> but they were all back at their parents' house for the holiday. I was like, why does that matter? That was God. Okay, y'all bear with me. It's Christmas. I work in healthcare and was working Christmas this year. A little bit of a backstory. There used to be four of us living there, but one girl had moved out due to issues with her boyfriend. He was a jackass who abused our kindness on allowing him to stay there. Was only supposed to come every so often, but basically ended up living there. We told her she needed to kick him out after an incident with him one night after he got physical with her and verbally abusive with the rest of us. Yeah, we don't have time for that. She wouldn't listen, and we told her we would have to talk to the landlord then. Long story short, she ended up moving out and left on bad terms with us. On another side note here, I've been in a physically, mentally abusive relationship before, so I understand how things may have been going for her. I tried my best for two years at that point to help open her eyes to the abuse and get her away from him. At this point, it was affecting everyone, so we didn't feel safe with him there, etc., so she moved out. Okay, back to the story. It was Christmas Eve, and I worked the next day, so I was getting ready for bed. Locked the doors, turned the lights off, and went downstairs to where my bedroom was. I was scrolling on TikTok for about an hour. (laughs) I think a lot of us can relate to that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was Christmas Day at this point when I heard what sounded like the chairs in the kitchen move. Mm. 
The kitchen is right above my bedroom. Mm-mm. I thought maybe I was hearing the neighbors next door as we shared the same walls, and sometimes they can be loud. But I remembered one of them texting me asking me to bring in a package they were expecting while they were all gone at home. I don't like the way that's said. But I remembered one of them texting me and asking me to bring in a package they were expecting while they were all gone from home. The noise was short-lived, so I brushed it off. Next thing I know, my bedroom door is being opened slowly. No. This is like the worst fear. This is the worst fear. Oh. In this moment, I get a flashback and remember my second grade teacher telling us about the time someone broke into her house and she acted as if she were asleep. So if they were just there to rob her, they wouldn't feel the need to hurt her if she saw them. I don't think I could do that. I couldn't do it either. I'd be breathing all heavy and they'd be like, (laughs) I can't, I can't. Okay. So then the next thing she says is, but my freaking phone screen is lighting up my scared jaw dropped face. So I can't act like I'm asleep where I'm lying in bed faces directly to the door. So we're just looking right at each other. So there I was laying in my bed shitting myself while this guy has one foot in my bedroom with the door cracked open. It felt like an eternity, but in reality, it was probably more like 10 seconds of us looking at one another, which is still too long in my Mm -hmm. book. Okay. That's too long. Be looking at an intruder. He slowly takes his foot out and closes my door. I sit there just in complete utter shock. I couldn't make out what he looked like as my eyes were adjusting to the dark again from my phone screen. All I could see was a backwards baseball cap. I knew I had to call the police, but my anxious ass knew if I called, it would alert my parents' phones that I called. Me being dumb as hell was like, well, I don't want to make them worry. Mm -mm. As they should be. So sorry, I know we're a clean podcast and there's some profanity in here, so sorry about that. Also, I was scared he might still be somewhere in the house, and I didn't know what he would do if he heard me. So I text the guy I was seeing at the time and tell him some random guy just broke into my house and came into my room. He snapped me out of it and told me to call the police, and so I did. Good guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. The dispatcher asked me if I felt comfortable to go unlock the front door for them so they didn't have to break it down. And I told her, no way. I don't care if the door's broken. I'm not going up there alone. No, just break it. Just bust it down. I don't care. Bust it down, Tatiana. <laughs> bust down, Tatiana. Okay. A couple minutes later, I saw a flashlight shining through my window. I hear police knocking at the door and announcing themselves. They got in and they asked me where I was. I came out of my room and they came and got me. They told me to wait on the back porch while the two of them searched the house and one stayed with me. Okay, here's some more profanity. It was like that shit you see in the movies where they have their guns and turn the corner with their partner and everything. They didn't find anyone. And I said nothing looked like it had been taken. They even tried to get fingerprints, but were unsuccessful. Dang. Dang. Yep. Then they started asking me questions and informed me that the back door was unlocked and had no signs of it being broken. I told them I locked it. Luckily, the guy I was talking to stayed with me that night, but I still couldn't sleep. I kept having to go check every inch of the house over and over. I placed chairs under the door handles on the front door, back door, and my bedroom. The next day, I informed our landlord, and she refused to come out and change the locks. How dare you? (laughs) 
And she never ended up changing them for the rest of the time we lived there. Mm-mm. Let me tell you something. You're going to change these locks. Period. Every time I go to bed now, I triple check all the doors have been locked. Doesn't matter where I am. I have a dog now and he helps my anxiety of intruders. As well as a recent purchase of a ring doorbell. Come on, ring doorbell. Not sponsored, but if y'all want to. <laughs> I believe it was our old roommate's boyfriend. I think they may have made an extra key for him because he was basically living there. But I don't understand why he didn't do anything to me, the house, or our belongings. If it were someone random, I don't know why they wouldn't have done what they intended, and that could be many different possibilities. I don't know what their intentions were that night, but to the man who broke into my house on Christmas, let's not meet again. Because <laughs> that's what the, these are, let's not meet. Yeah. So people hardly ever do that anymore where they say let's not meet again, but this one did, and I was like, ooh. So, those are my Christmas. They were good stories. Thank you. Thank you very much. I liked yours, too. You're welcome. Thank you. Yes. So, y'all, if you have any questions, comments, case suggestions, send them to us at amillionmurders at gmail.com. And you can also go to our Instagram, A Million Murders, and see pictures of the people, places, things. Um, you can also go to our Facebook page and our Facebook group and check out activity if we've got any that we post or anything like that. You can have like conversations with people. You can interact with anybody if you'd like. If you want to ask us anything on there, you can. Yeah. And we've got that link tree. That's posted on, I think, the group. I think it's pinned on the group. So then if you ever want to go there and you need to, you know, whatever you end up going to first. I always forget about the link tree. Mm-hmm. The link tree is also in the show episodes on mine, for sure. Are they on yours? I don't. <laughs> okay, well, it's it's on there. It's, it's on there somewhere. So then you can click that to follow, to get to everything. The Facebook group, Facebook page, all that jazz. So, yeah. And, um... We hope you all are having a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holiday. Yes, Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday. Yeah. So, thank you for tuning in. And we hope you come back for a million million more. And happy, happy holidays.